opportunity to become a member here. So, um, so it's kind of a deep dive into the basic core beliefs of the church and what does it mean to become a member here. So that is starting today. Uh, so if you're interested, please join us. Um, men's night for uh, uh, for Hope uh, Men will be uh, this coming Friday, uh, January 20th. Uh, so that will happen at 5 uh, p.m. when the doors open. Food is around 7. It's very casual and it's great, good conversations that happen uh, with our men uh, at Hope. So please join us for that. Uh, I want to make an announcement of some classes that are going to be starting up. So uh, the next reboot class uh, starts on January 31st. That's a Tuesday evening and it will go for 12 weeks. Uh, and that the purpose of that course uh, is for uh, anyone who has experienced trauma in their life. Uh, and trauma can mean a, a wide spectrum of things. It doesn't necessarily mean physical trauma. It can be emotional trauma. It could be any type of an event that you've had in your life that, especially if you haven't felt like you've, you've gotten a resolution about it, this is really a, a great opportunity to explore that with folks who have gone through leading people through experiences like that. So it's a 12-week program. Starts Tuesday. It's here uh, at 6 p.m. Um, there's a, another edition of the Reboot class that will be held for military uh, folks or people that have military experience or spouses of military. Uh, so anything tied to military service and uh, trauma that may have been experienced there, that will be starting Saturday mornings, uh, January 28th at 9 in the morning. Um, there's another class that's going to be starting on Thursday evenings, uh, starting January 26th, called Boundaries. And uh, uh, you can see read about it in your bulletin, but that will be from 6 to 8. And, uh, you know, if that is a, a challenge that you've got in your life, like, what, how do I set good boundaries? You know, I know I have run into that problem in my professional life, you know, <laughs> like, what's family and what's professional? Um, uh, but, you know, certainly uh, this can be a challenge for any of us in any aspect of life. So if you're interested in learning about this, there's a book written called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And, uh, you know, and it's made, like I said, for those who uh, could use some help or just learn more about how you set good, healthy boundaries. Um, <laughs> okay, the chili cook-off is not on here, <laughs> but it is very important. So it is set... Uh, for Sunday, February 19th. And so if that, if you haven't heard about what this is, this is really uh, a great event. And so people can enter. It's like if you think you have a great chili recipe, uh, or even if you don't, you just want to give it a shot, um, you know, this is an opportunity to bring your chili recipe to the church. Uh, there's a competition uh, where in egg crates, there's all the different chilies are, are put in, uh, and you don't know who made which which version, and you get to taste and vote. And there's a chili cook-off champion that is awarded at the end of it. So that will happen after church Sunday, February 19th. So make sure you don't, even if you don't make chili, you can come and eat it. That's really good, too. So um, is there anything I missed announcing that needs to be announced? Okay. All right. So like I said, uh, uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Darden to come. Uh, so uh, if if you don't know who Pastor Darden is, uh, I'm going to just say a few words about him. 
but I think most of you know him. And uh, we have come. Uh, no, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no. <laughs> so I, I'll talk longer if you stay there. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, so and I'll uh, just say Darren Kaler, his wife, Belinda, uh, and daughter, Hope, they also have two sons, uh, Josh and Jonas, uh, who are up in St. Louis. So Darden uh, is coming to us uh, in the role of assistant pastor. That is something we have been talking about as a church for probably, you know, maybe starting a year or so ago, but more largely as a church the last several months. He's coming on staff. Uh, This quarter he will be uh, transitioning, so you won't see him every Sunday, uh, but uh, you'll see him sometimes uh, over the next, you know, this first quarter, yeah, and then we'll be here full-time uh, after that in an assistant pastor uh, role. He was here previously, so he and Tom uh, were basically here at Hope at the beginning of Hope Church 20-plus uh, years ago. Uh, he was a, our associate pastor uh, for many years, uh, and uh, the Lord called him to leave in, in 2007, yeah. six, seven, seven. To go plant a church in Missouri, and uh, uh, did was there for several years in that capacity, um, and uh, has lived in Missouri, uh, you know, ever since that. Ever since that time, Um, but uh, he's coming back to to join us. uh, You know, a lot of circumstances leading up to where this is just the right, right thing, and uh, we're really excited on many levels to have you. I'm going to say, I don't know, you maybe you're going to mention, so they've had some some challenges getting here <laughs> that you'll hear about. So, uh, you know, so we're really glad that you're that you're here, so all of you. Um, and uh, at any rate, Darden, it's all right. welcome. Cool. I'm looking at this going, oh, listen, I can hear myself. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'll tell the story about the challenges that, that we've had in getting here. Um, uh, and but also, I want to add an announcement to that. Uh, all the things that, uh, that that Mark just mentioned, invite your friends. Um, you know, part part of what we do with with the gospel is not just keep it to ourselves, but to share it with those around us. And so, you've got friends and family and and uh, uh, neighbors and whoever people that you just run into, people you work with that just maybe you heard something that they might be interested in, whether it's a chili cook-off or it's a uh, boundaries class or whatever it might be, invite them to come. You know, if they say no, they say no. No big deal. But if they say yes, you might have been the person that brought them into a place where they can find some healing, they can find some grace, they can find some hope, and so on and on. All right, I'll, I'll get off my pulpit, although I'm going to preach in a couple minutes. But uh, let me invite all the por- important people up. You all know who you are. I'm going to have you... You're going to have to forgive me. It's going to take me a little while to get used to the camera being there. Uh, the last church I was at, the camera was way at the back, so I could wander anywhere, and I was always on the screen, and so it was easy to do, uh, but I like to wander. I like to like move back and forth, um, and I should also uh, say welcome to the people on Zoom. I apologize for the glare on my forehead. There's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> All right. Hi, guys. How are you? Anybody remember me? No? Not really. None of you were born when I was when I when I last lived in San Antonio, so I wouldn't expect you to remember me. But I'm going to tell you a story. So we're getting ready to move to San Antonio, right? We live in St. Louis in in Missouri, or as we like to say, misery. Um, And and (laughs) those of you who have spent a long time there, you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean. and so we're getting ready to move down here, and we're going to be here on a regular basis. And you see my face, and you're either going to get really, really tired of it, or you're going to learn to like me, and you're going to be like, wow, that guy's really cool. 
Uh, we're going to come down here and we're going to hang out with you guys and we're going to minister with you guys and minister to you guys. So we've been working on all that. And we decided on, that we're going to come down this week and we, we got in the car on, what is today? Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday. It's been, a, you'll understand why I'm saying that in a second. Um, so oh, uh, last month we got into a car accident when, when something off of somebody's truck hit us and, and caused $8,000 worth of damage. But that, you don't care about that. Um, so this time, we said we're going to come down here and we're going to take our other car because the, the, the first car is in the shop. We're going to take our other car and we're going to drive to San Antonio to see our friends and to be at Hope Church. And we stopped in Dallas to see friends overnight, got in the car Saturday morning, and we got to, I don't know, a half hour south of, south of Dallas, 45 minutes south of Dallas, and the car started going and making all kinds of noise. And lights started flashing. You know how cars have lights on their dashboards? Lights start flashing, and all this stuff is happening, and I'm going, I don't know what this is. And we finally get to Temple, Texas, and we, we pull off the road, and the car goes, uh, 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 <laughs> and that was it. So in two months, in less than two months, two cars that we own have now just gone, <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking to myself, this really stinks. Why is God doing this? Why is he, why is he allowing this kind of stuff to happen? Because honestly, I don't understand. And then I got to thinking about all the things. I'm like, I've got to I get to San Antonio. I've got to preach tomorrow. I've got I to have something to say to the kids when I talk to them, right? And the passage that Lois read earlier is the passage I'm going to preach on. And I thought about that, and I thought about the name that God gives his son, gives the one that he promises in the Old Testament. You remember what it was? You guys, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to read it for you. This comes from Isaiah, right? And this is what it says. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask for a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask for a sign, and I will not put the Lord to test. And he said, Hear, O Israel, this is, this is, uh, this is Isaiah speaking, Hear, or God speaking through Isaiah. He says, Hear, O Israel, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary God, uh, my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this is what he says. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Anybody know what Emmanuel means? No? Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. And I sat there in my car as I waited for an hour and a half for the tow truck to show up and then take a two-hour ride in a tow truck to San Antonio. That was, that was fun. You guys should try it sometime. It's, it's a trip. Um, <laughs> I w as I sat there waiting, I thought to myself, you know, even here, God's promises is that God is with us. God's with you right now. God's with you when you go to school every day. God's with you when you're playing with friends. God's with you when you're with your, with your family. He's with me when I'm with my family, when I'm with my friends, when I'm preaching, when I'm not preaching, when I'm doing everything. God is with us all the time. That's the promise of Emmanuel to us, that God is always with us. Even in the times that you seem just seem crazy, and you go, why is my car broken down? I know you guys don't have cars yet, but someday you will. And you'll have car problems, and you'll think to, myself, think to yourself, there was a guy that talked to us one time, and he said a bunch of stuff, and I don't remember any of it, but about car breaking down, right? 
Emmanuel means God is with us, and it's, w- and it's one of those names that we have to remind ourselves. Every single day, God is always with us. So will you guys pray with me real quick, and then I'll send you on? All right. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for being our Emmanuel. Thank you for being the one who came to be with us, and thank you for reminding us of your presence in our life, that we might be comforted by who you are and by what you've done for us and by the power that you have throughout the world to do and to see your will done, Lord, and to see your will done well for your people. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for calling us to be your people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. All right, so I'm just going to pray. That's going to be the end because that was pretty much everything that was in my sermon. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get you out of here early. Is there football on today? Oh, see? Look at me. I'm going to be a popular guy around here. Although I've said that before. And I wind up preaching for 45 minutes, and y'all are like, when is he going to stop? Yeah, I realize. I apologize. I apologize. So my name is Darden Kaler. Uh, As Mark said, I I was here a long time ago. Tom and I met when we were in seminary together. We were in our first Greek class together. And Greek class is a little bit like boot camp in that, you know, uh, I've never I've never been to boot camp, so I'm just it's more like it's an intellectual boot camp, right? It's like it's it's punishing. It's it hurts because they're they're shoving information at you so fast, and and it's this foreign language that it's old Greek, so it's not it's not it's not the same as new Greek, and so it's not even a language that you can go and use again. It's just different, right? And and you get you get tired and you get overwhelmed, and there. Are you can ask my wife, yeah, my wife Belinda right there, you can ask her how many days I came home from seminary going, I don't really want to do this. I, I just want to quit. And there might be crying, not on her part, but on mine. <laughs> there, was, there was some tears shed. There were, there were you know, it, but anyway, that's how I met Tom. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's, that's why uh, we've come back. And um, uh, so anyway, like I said, I'm Darden. My name is, is unusual. I realize it's unusual. Uh, it, it's been with me since the day I was born. Um, you know, so I, I, I get that. Uh, it's not a common name, right? I mean, I, I'm guessing that none of you know a Darden besides me. Am I wrong? Perfect. Ooh, well, I mean, I said besides me. None of you know a Darden other, other than me. Christopher Darden was one of the uh, prosecuting attorneys in the O.J. Simpson trial. But that was a last name, right? If you look on Facebook, there are 100, exactly 100 Dardens, if you type in Darden on Facebook. And I don't get on Facebook very often except for to do silly research like that. Um, if you look on Facebook, there's 100 Dardens. Two of them are first names. One of, them, one of those is me, right? So it's not a very common first name. It, it's so uncommon that usually when I tell people what my name is, like if I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for something or I'm, I'm making a reservation, I say Darden, they're like, blank stare. They don't get it. They don't. And, and I have to explain. It's, it's, like, it's like garden with a D. And they're like, oh, oh, Darden. Yeah, that's, that's very unique. And I'm like, well, my parents were unique people, I guess. Um, and, and, and so it's a, it's a name that I've had to get used to over time. According to my mom, uh, the name came from, uh, it was my dad's idea to name me Darden. It, it came from, uh, it's a historical thing, right? It came from a book that he was reading about the campaign of the Dardanelles, which took place in World War I. If you don't know where the Dardanelles are, it's a narrow strait between, it's in northwest Turkey, I believe. It's between the uh, Aegean Sea and the Sea of Marmara. And it's a name that came from uh, the land of Dardinia, right? 
You can look this all up. I promise it's true. I'm not lying to you. Came from the land of Dardinia, which was named after Dardanus, 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 who was the son of Zeus and Electra, right? The mythical son of Zeus and Electra. So I have a mythical god's name in the sense. Uh, you know, it, that, that part's, that's part's kind of cool. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting story. That's what my mom uh, said. That's how it came up. That's why they decided to name me Darden. You know, my brother, my oldest brother is named Dwayne, relatively normal name. My oldest sister is named Lori. And then my next sister came along, and her name was Larissa. And then they went to Darden. And it's like, couldn't we have just stuck with the normal? But anyway, they, they, <laughs> my parents are both gone now, so I can't really argue with them about it. It's no big deal. Um, but here's the thing about my name, right? If you hear me, if you hear all that information about my name, what have you learned about me? Anything? Does it tell you anything about who I am? Does it tell you anything about what I'm like? Does it tell you anything about what I believe? No. It just tells you that my parents were interesting people. They had unique taste in names, I guess. A and that's not an uncommon thing in our culture, right? I mean, if you, th if you look, look throughout culture, if you, if you talk to a lot of people, ask them how they chose to name their children what they chose to name their children, uh, what they're going to tell you is, oh, we liked the name, or, you know, we heard this on a movie, or whatever. They, names, we don't put a lot of stock in, in the names that we give children these days. We just don't. And it's not that that's wrong. It's just that it's different. It's not always the way that it's been. In biblical times, names were, were extremely significant, right? They were significant for a variety of reasons. Uh, for example, Bible names could record an aspect of the person's birth. So, Moses, which means, or it sounds like the word that means to draw out, was given that name because his mother drew him, he was drawn out of the river when he was floating in a basket, right? So, that's Moses. Uh, Bible names sometimes express the parent's response to, to the birth. So, Sarah named her son Isaac, which means laughter. She named her son Isaac, which means laughter, because when God told her that she was going to bear a son in her old age, she did what? She laughed. So the name says something about the parent's response. Lastly, Bible names often demonstrated an affiliation with God. All the names ending with E-L, like Samuel, mean with God. So whatever the preface is, with God. And sometimes Bible names just communicated God's message. They... The, the, the use of names in, in, in that time period were very, very important. They were important to God's people, important back then. People simply didn't choose names based on how they sound or sounded or whether they were cool or whether they were in the baby book for the year or whatever it might be. They changed names because there was a meaning to it. It told something. It told part of God's story or it told part of their story that God was doing in their lives. It's a pattern that they learned from God himself. God often named people based on his plan for their lives. For, for example, uh, God renames Jacob, which means grabs the heel, because he, he grabbed Esau's heel as they were, the twins were being born. He, he renames Jacob, which means grabs at heel, to Israel, which means wrestles with God, because Jacob wrestled the angel. He was wrestling with God. God did that and, and demonstrated to his people that names have meaning. They have importance. They, they tell something about who I am. They tell something about what I'm doing. It's an important thing. Even you consider the name Emmanuel today. It tells us everything about what God's doing. Everything. It really says it all if you really think about it. 
Now, let me give you some background. So in this passage, Ahaz was the 11th king of Judah. His uh, 16-year reign was pretty awful in general. Uh, it, was, it was marked by apostasy and idolatry and faithlessness and all sorts of uh, other sort of wicked things. And his name means... Or, or refers to, it's not a direct meaning, but it refers to the joining of two things that should not be joined together. Bleach and ammonia. <laughs> Don't ever mix bleach and ammonia. That's a bad thing. I've never done it, but I've heard many bad things about it. It's a bad thing. It makes mustard gas. So you shouldn't do that. It's bad. Uh, that's, that's what ultimately what, what Ahaz was doing. He allied himself with the wicked king of Assyria in order to not be overthrown by the kings of Israel and Syria. Not Assyria, but Syria. And so as his name suggests, what he had done is he had joined two things together that God never intended to be get together. God's people and, and their enemies. He sold out God's people, in essence. So, Isaiah challenges Ahaz in this passage. He reminds him that he doesn't need those other things. He only needs God. Why? Because God is salvation. That's what, that's what it means, right? That's, that's what Isaiah means. So he tells Isaiah, or he tells Ahaz to ask for a sign, right? Ask for a sign. See what God will do. See how wonderful and gracious he is. See how amazing and great and powerful he is. See what he'll do, and then you will, you will realize you don't need these alliances with anybody else. You just need your God. But Ahaz refuses. So Isaiah says, one thing, it's one thing, I mean, basically, I'm going to put this in a gist. It's one thing to test, God, or to test man's patience, but are you really going to test God this way? Really? This is what you're going to do. You know, you, 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 you do all sorts of crazy things to God's people, and now you're going to test God directly. He's telling you to do this, and you're going to say, nope, I'm not going to do it. So Isaiah says, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. And that's what we're going to focus on today, just Emmanuel. Tom talked a little bit about Emmanuel at the Christmas Eve service, so this is, if this seems, if there's any redundancy here, I apologize for that, but I think we're covering a little bit of new material. So we're talking about the name Emmanuel. That's what we're going to focus on. Because in a sense, the name says it all. It tells us everything we really need to know about God. It, you'll, I'll explain how that works out, but it, it, it says it all about who God is, about what he's doing in our lives, and how important we are to him. We have much to learn about God's plan from the name Emmanuel because Emmanuel means God with us. And it reveals much about his plan for our lives. It tells us who he is. It tells us what he did. And it tells us why he did it. Think, think about it like this. Uh, for those of you who are, are substantially younger than me, you're not going to remember any of this. But uh, back in the 70s, uh, the, the, the brewery, Anheuser-Busch Brewery, had a... a slogan, the king of beers. I think that's still their slogan, right? And their advertisement was, uh, uh, when you say bud, does anybody know it? You've said it all. When you say bud, you've said it all. Now that's a bold claim for a beer to make, right? <laughs> like, you don't have anything else to say, we're the king of beers. It's, it's a bold thing for a beer to say. It's not a bold thing for a God to say. It's not a bold thing for our God to say. He can say it all just in a name. 
everything we need to know. As Matthew's gospel confirms, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus. What Isaiah says about Jesus, about Emmanuel, about the promised one of God, comes true when Christ comes to be with us. He is God with us. He came to save us from our sins. That's literally what the name Jesus means, right? It's the Greek, or it's the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua, which means God is salvation. God is salvation. And ironically, or sovereignly, uh, that's, that, that's what Isaiah means too. God is salvation. God is salvation. So when God told Joseph and Mary to name their son Jesus, he gave him a name that uh, communicated these three things about him. Something about who he was, something about what he would do, and something about why he would do it. And all three of those elements come together in the name Emmanuel. For example, Emmanuel reveals God's true identity. It reveals Christ's true identity, I should say. It reveals Christ's true identity. It tells us who Jesus really, really was. Now, there was a recent, uh, maybe it was not so recent, uh, I can't quite remember exactly when I read it, but there was a, a survey done by George Barna uh, that, that, that came to the conclusion that most people in the world, most people in the United States, I guess I should say, uh, can affirm Jesus' humanity, right? They have no problem saying that Jesus was a historical person. They know, have no problem saying that he breathed, that he lived, that he died, that he taught, that he did all those things. Most people agree with that totally, even if they're of an entirely different religion. Even if they're, they're uh, Jewish or Muslim or, or Buddhist or whatever, all, all, for the, all practical purposes, all people could say that. They can all say, yeah, Jesus existed or likely existed, right? Where most people get tripped up is with his divinity. He was perfect. He did not sin. So he has to be God. He has to be God with us. This is called the doctrine of the incarnation. It means that God took on human flesh. The God of the universe, the God that created all things in the first part of Genesis, decided that a way to save his people was to be one of them, to go to them, to connect with them. As we often sing in the song, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone, who took on flesh. Fullness, this is important, the fullness of God in helpless babe. Entirely God. He became, he became one of us, and yet he did not give up being God. He was both at the exact same time. Totally human, totally God. Ask me how that works. I don't know. I've had a lot of education, and I still don't. I, I don't understand. It's beyond what we can comprehend as humans, because you can't be more than 100% of something, and yet here's Jesus. 100% God, 100% man. He took on human frailties, and yet he remained perfect and holy and sovereign. And so he was fully God, and at the same time, fully man. He was, he was what we call the God-man. And the Bible confirms this truth time and time again. It, it shows that Jesus fulfills these Old Testament proph prophecies. Just one example, Luke 1.34, confirms that Jesus was to be born of a virgin. That he was born of a virgin, as Isaiah said in today's passage. He's going to be born of a virgin. Luke says... He was born of a virgin. In other places in Isaiah's, uh, in Isaiah's prophecy, he uh, prophesied that uh, the promised one would be called a Nazarene. We know that Jesus was, was from Nazareth. Uh, he will minister in Galilee. We know that Jesus ministered in Galilee. Uh, 
He will care for the oppressed and the brokenhearted. We know that he cared for the oppressed and the brokenhearted. Other prophets uh, confirm this message with Isaiah. Uh, Micah adds that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. We know that that was true. Hosea declares that he would spend time in Egypt. We know that that was true. So here's all these prophets coming together at different times throughout history, and they're saying things, and they're, they're all coming together in one person, Emmanuel. Let me explain it like this. A number of years ago, the National Park Service issued a warning to visitors, no selfies with bears. It's a Darwin, it's a Darwin Award thing, right? It's like, who decides, hey, you know what? There's a grizzly over there. Let's go take a picture with him. I don't, I don't, I don't, know, how you t I don't know how you make that leap. I don't know. I don't know. But basically, it, they said it way more eloquent than this, but basically it boiled down to this. Don't take selfies with bears. It's dangerous and stupid. I mean, literally, if, you, if you, you go back online, you can find the warning. They don't say it that way, but that is what they're getting at, and it's clear that's what they're getting at. Don't do it. It's stupid. Why would you do something like that? And yet, they did this because bear attacks, incidents with bears and people, were up 35% in the parks the from the previous year. Now, despite the fact that bear attacks were up 35% in the parks from the previous year, according to their own stats, the chances of being injured by a bear in a park was roughly one in two million, right? That's about the same odds as being struck by lightning, uh, barring playing golf in a thunderstorm. Um, and it's 11 times more probable than being bitten by a shark. So that gives you an idea of, of, of how improbable it was to be, right, to be attacked by a bear. Now, according to the book uh, Science Speaks, which is, a, which is a pretty good book, the probability of one person fulfilling just eight Old Testament prophecies, the probability of one person fulfilling just eight Old Testament prophecies was one in 1.7 sextillion, which is one in, in, in one in 17 followed by 17 zeros chance. So one over 17 with 17 zeros following. The chance of one person filling just eight prophecies. And yet here we have, in God's word, Jesus fulfilling dozens and dozens of prophecies time and time again from different prophets and, and, and confirmed by different authors, by, by different uh, people writing from the Gospels, and, and so on. The chances are astronomical. And yet Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies and more because he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. And his name reveals that very thing, that God, as I said to the kids, God is always here. He's always with us. He's always with us. Second stanza of Charles Wesley's hymn, And Can It Be? says, He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. He left his father's throne above. God came down and said, I'm going to be with them for you and you and you and you and you and me. He left, his, he left his father's throne and came to be with us. He is God with us. He's talking about the Emmanuel. The New City Catechism explains it this way. Jesus had to become man 
so that in human nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for our sin and also that we to suffer the punishment for our sin and also that he might sympathize with our weaknesses and so the author of Hebrews explains it this way we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are and yet he did not sin and thus he made the perfect sacrifice when someone had to pay the price. Jesus had to become one of us to save us from our sin. He lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved to die. And he paid for the price of our sin that we might be reconciled to God the Father. That we might have a relationship with him. And thus, in his name, what he reveals by coming and dying, he reveals his priority and his purpose. His purpose is to save us. We're his priority. We're the reason he came. Remember, Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua, and it means God is salvation. Jesus came to prove that. He came to prove it for all of us who trust in him and put our faith in him. In Luke 2, 10 through 11, the angel told the shepherds that Jesus would come, was coming to be the Savior. Jesus himself in Luke 19 told Zacchaeus that he came to seek and to save the lost, those who had wandered from God, those who didn't know him. Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is the God who came to be with us, and that was his purpose. That was his priority. And that means that every day in our lives, we can experience his presence. Even when we're sitting alone in our, in our homes or at our workplaces or wherever it might be, we can experience his presence. We're not there alone. Sitting on the side of Highway 35 in Temple, Texas, on a relatively warm January day, I wasn't alone there. I, I have to say a kudo to all the people in Temple, Texas who pulled up and stopped and asked if they could help us. There were a, a bunch of people. It was very, very nice. Some of them were a little bit sketchy. But <laughs> there are a couple times I'm like, no, I'm okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, but I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. I'm never alone. Sometimes it feels like I am, but I'm never alone. God is the God who is always with us because he is Emmanuel. He's always with us. Now I confess back to uh, what I told you about my name in the beginning. When I was younger, I occasionally dreamt of changing my name. I don't know, you know, Darden's okay. You know, I started dating my wife when I was a freshman in high school, and her mother called me Darwin for the first five years of our, uh, maybe four years of our relationship. And, and you know, when you're, when you're trying to woo a girl, you don't correct her mother, <laughs> or her father for that matter. So you just go with it. You're like, yeah, yeah, Darwin works, I'll go with that. But it was just always being misunderstood. It was always being something, it was always a name that I had to spell. It was, it was just something, I, I don't know, kids made fun of me. Gosh darn them. <laughs> you know, I, I, I felt bad about it, and I, and I wanted to change my name. Seriously, I wanted to change my name. I never approached my parents about it, but I, but I dreamt of being a Dalton. You see me as a Dalton. A Dalton, or a Dean, or a Derek. I'll stick with the D names. I get, you know, they wanted two D boys and two L girls. I, I get it. I'll stay with the D names, but... I just wanted something different. I wanted something normal so I could just fit in. 
But over the years, I've come to appreciate the name, not just the unique story behind it, but the name in and of itself, because ultimately what I realize is what I'm called doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I'm called. What matters is the one I call upon, the one I trust in, the one I look to in faith and say, I need you every day, every hour. Because his name reveals his plan for our lives. It tells us who he is. It tells us what he did. It tells us why he came. He's our Emmanuel. He came to save us that we might be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for my name. (laughs) 